All right, guys, good morning. It is great to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. A um, few housekeeping assignments real quick. Did everybody get their communion cup and wafer? Everybody good? If you're not, we can get one of these to you real, real quickly. Just raise your hand and we'll make sure that you got one of these. You didn't get one? Okay, we need a couple over here. If anybody can grab me a couple of those. Uh, Austin, you want to grab them real quick? Or Charlie? And we want to make sure you guys get those. we got a couple over here as well. Sorry that you guys didn't get that. Um, I, I guarantee you're going to love the wafer. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Um, Austin tried one out the other day, and uh, he about gagged on the wafer, but he got through it with the juice, so thank the Lord. <laughs> and so uh, the, the wafer is not the most appetizing or filling uh, or, or tasteful, but it will do the job. And so as soon as service is over, we will um, have the Lord's Supper, and uh, it's going to look a little different because we're not passing it around. We don't have... It all arranged up front, uh, but this is kind of a new uh, situation that we are in, and we want to make sure that we are uh, partaking of the Lord's Supper in the safest way for you. And, um, and so we've got a couple over here, Charlie, uh, that didn't have one. Raise your hand, guys. We want to make sure everybody got one of those. Um, and we got a few over here. You guys can see, I've, I've taught Austin how to dress, um, and now I'm going to have to teach him how to fish. Uh, I love him. I love my brother. You, you know, I, <laughs> uh, the church staff that we have is amazing. Um, l- let me just throw this out to you real quickly. Dale, thank you guys. Uh, we have enjoyed you all being here. Uh, I've never been in a perfect church. And sometimes the music goes astray, sometimes words don't get sung the right way, or sometimes words are even not on the screen. But it's okay, amen? God's not called us to be perfect, but the perfect one has saved us, amen? And so thank God for that. And so we are so thankful for you you guys and your family, and uh, we, we are going to continue to love you. And they're going to be here with us through the end of, uh, at least through the end of this month. And uh, if, if it was up to me, you'd be here for the rest of my tenure. Uh, and so, and then I know some of the days are with us. And so, guys, good morning. Glad you all are here and uh, could be a part of us. And so we are looking forward to, to Billy uh, coming and, and being here. So, man, God is doing some amazing things. But, again, as far as our staff is concerned, I, I thank God for them. Uh, love them. Kathy, is Miss Kathy here? She's here somewhere. She's back there in the back. Thank you for Miss Kathy and all that she does and for Austin. Uh, Miss Tina comes in and works, and I know she's not even really a part of our staff, but she, she helps me. Any, every time that I call Miss Tina, it's, I'll be there. And so it's so nice to have a, a staff and a church that's willing to work. Amen? And it takes a family. It takes an army to get this stuff done. And, and by the way, real, real quickly, before we jump into the message, I hope you got your Bibles. Uh, go ahead, open those up to Acts chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 1 through 20 this morning, Acts chapter 4. And so as you're opening that up, hopefully you got your sermon outlined that's on your bulletin. Open that up. Hopefully you got a pen or a pencil that we can use as we work through God's Word together. Uh, we, we do have a deacon birthday today. Um, where is he? Ronnie Johnson. Ronnie Johnson. And, and so, Ronnie, amen. Uh, 
41 looks good on you, brother. Uh, 85. He looks awful good to me. Uh, um, and let me let me say this real quickly too. I'm, I'm in the giving mood this morning because God is good all the time. Amen. Uh, I'm very thankful for this deacon body. Uh, this deacon body is diligent. They love this church family. They love serving the Lord. And uh, you should be really thankful and proud of your deacon body here at Cecilia Baptist because we love them. I love them, and I know you all do too as well. So uh, Monday tomorrow we're also getting some new guidelines. So there are some new guidelines that are coming down, and so we will maybe have some new news for you next Sunday as far as Sunday school and youth and children ministries are concerned. And so I know Austin is super excited about that because he has missed you guys, you kids, and you youth, and we've missed seeing you here as well. And so we're hoping, praying that tomorrow we have some new news. Uh, it would be awesome to get back into Sunday school and Wednesday nights and having some youth and children's stuff in the month of July. And so we are hoping for that. We are praying for that. Continue praying for this country. Continue praying for this world. Continue praying for a healing. We are seeing a little bit of some resurgence in some states, different ones around our, our nation. And uh, I know that our Lord is much bigger than any sickness that can ever happen in this world. And so continue praying for a vaccine. Continue praying for healing. Continue praying to see God move, because here's the truth. Everybody wants to know what's wrong with this country. There's nothing wrong with this country that a great dose of Jesus can't fix. That's what this country needs. This country needs a great revival. This country needs, we, we, we need to get to the point where we're not looking for a man to tell us what's right or wrong, but we need to stay with our God to tell us what's right and to tell us what's wrong. And so be praying for that. Be praying for a healing, and not just a physical healing. This country needs a spiritual healing. So be praying for that. And they, and they got to see it in us. Amen? they got to see it in us. they got to see us in the people that go to church. Us Christians. That's who they got to see it in. You know, I'm sitting down, and I'm not even in, well, you all have to give me a little bit of time this morning. I'm, I'm sitting, I come in Monday, and, and you all know Miss Carla. And, and Miss Carla is, is a, um, a black lady that cleans our church, and I love her. And I come in, and, and me and Carla, we sit down, and we start having this conversation. And we start talking about things that are going on in the world. And, you know, I just looked at her, and we had a talk, and I told her, I said, we love you. You know, I said, you are a part of us. You know, I can't control how other people act. But let me remind every single one of us that we're made in the image of God. No matter what color you are or what your ethnicity is, we're all made in the image of God. And we're to love people and treat people with the utmost respect, no matter if they have a lot or if they barely have any. Amen? So, let's jump into our sermon. <laughs> Amen. So the title of the sermon this morning is, We Won't Be Shaken. It comes from Acts chapter 4, uh, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 20. Now, there's a very few things in this life that I would think is... A few of you in here. Amen. Thank God for you. Um, you know, when, when I was a kid growing up in the 80s, I thought Optimus Prime was unstoppable. 
I love Transformers. I thought he was unstoppable, but then there was always Megatron. You know, then I would watch He-Man. Anybody remember He-Man? I would watch He-Man. I thought, man, He-Man is unstoppable, but then there was always Skeletor. And then I would watch Superman. I thought, man, Superman is unstoppable. And then there would always be Lex Luthor. And then I thought, man, I love Batman. But, and Batman is unstoppable with all these great gadgets. Like if you were a superhero, that would be you, Dale. Because you got, I mean, you, you know this stuff. And, and, but I thought, well, in Batman, there was always the Joker. And now that I'm in, a, in my 40s, there's not a lot of things that will stop me in my tracks unless I see a shampoo that guarantees hair regrowth. Amen? <laughs> or, or, or maybe there's a new exercise regime that guarantees weight loss without exercising or changing your diet. Those may be a few things that may stop me in my tracks, but if you think for a second, there's many things, honestly, that stop people in their tracks. And I want to get serious with you real quickly. Sometimes Bad financial decisions that will stop people in their tracks. Sometimes it's relationships gone wrong that will stop people in their tracks. Sometimes it's the doctor's report that we get back, something that we weren't expecting, and that will stop people in their tracks. Sometimes it's issues in a job, maybe it's a loss of a job that will stop people in their tracks. And there are even those who are stopped in their tracks spiritually and they, they give up on God and the church because a situation happened in their life and in the back of their mind they feel like they have been betrayed by God or they feel like God has some way, somehow let them what? Let them down. You know, in the first three chapters of the book of Acts, the church was literally exploding. The church was on fire. The Holy Spirit was empowering the believers. The people were getting saved, people believing in Jesus. People were learning from the apostles. The people were breaking bread together. The people were praying to, to, together. And God, the Bible says, was adding to their number daily. And then a lame man from birth got healed in the name of Jesus Christ, and he was jumping for joy. And so the church was seeing this great growth. The church was experiencing God moving in, in ways that they had never seen. People were being filled with, with wonder, and the Spirit was moving, and there was amazement because people were witnessing miracles. People were witnessing the Holy Spirit as He was turning people inside out and creating new people, as Dale talked about this morning, about how when we get saved, God gives us a new what? He gives us a new life. We're a new creature. We're a new name. And this is what God does. And then there's Peter. And Peter, he is preaching his heart out to his Jewish brothers, and he's begging them to repent and to return, to turn from their sins and turn to God so they could receive a forgiveness and a refreshing and a restoration through Jesus Christ. And so things were going awesome. And it seemed like the church unstoppable force and then comes trouble and then comes issues you know when it comes to Christianity listen we, we know this is not new science when it comes to our Christianity we're going to meet opposition it's going to happen 
Paul once told Timothy, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Not maybe, but will be. And so the question is, why would Christianity, and I was thinking about this in my office this week, why would Christianity ever face opposition when we preach a message of hope and peace and love and forgiveness and rebirth and family values and heavenly promises? Why in the world would that ever meet opposition? Well, we know Satan is real, amen? We know that Satan is real. We know Satan has an army, and we know that the Bible says that Satan is a liar, that Satan is a thief, that Satan is a murderer, and he lures people in to do his will, and he stands in direct opposition of Christian evangelism and discipleship. See, when we start growing, and God starts doing, and we start expecting, then opposition starts knocking on the what? On the door. Because when Satan sees a church literally exploding, when Satan sees lives being changed, when Satan and his army sees God being shared, when Satan and his army sees something's going on down at Cecilia or in Hardin County or within your own life, he already knows, well, I can't have their soul. I'm not going to be with them for eternity. and make their life a living And don't think that's not what he would love to do to you and your family. Because he would. So the question is this. What can we learn about Christianity? And what can we learn about our own faith in times of disturbances, in times of questioning, and in times where things are just not going right, and in times of persecution? Well, let's read Acts chapter 4. 1 through 20. Listen to the word of God. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees that came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law, they met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men in the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? And they're talking about the lame man that's been healed. Healed, and know this, you and all the people of Israel... It's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you have crucified, but God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, what has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took that these men have been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who was healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. <laughs> so they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they've done an outstanding miracle, and we can't deny it. 
but to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. And then they called them in again, and they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourself whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and about what we have what? Heard. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity together amongst each other. Lord, thank you for the music for Dale and all of those this morning that has led us in our, in our worship, God, as you have prepared our heart to hear your holy word. And so, Father, I pray today that you will challenge us, God. Father, I pray today maybe there's some brothers and sisters in Christ that need to be more bold in their faith, Lord. Father, oftentimes we become a little standoffish. We become a little fearful, Lord, because talking about Jesus is not looked at the politically correct thing to do. And so, Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that you will open up hearts and minds. Because, Father, we know that persecution is real. Lord, we know that times of being silenced is real. And, Lord, we also know this. If we don't speak, who will? If we don't share the gospel, who will? And so, Father, impress upon our hearts this morning as those in Christ. We have a responsibility. And for those here this morning that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And all of God's people said, Amen. Now, when the lame man was healed, I think it's pretty clear that it caused a lot of commotion. And when a commotion occurs, many times it draws a what? It draws a crowd. So here's folks, and they're running to Peter and John while looking at a man that was supposed to be lame, but now all of a sudden he's standing up and doing jumping jacks. And so the crowds are surprised and the crowds are amazed all at the same time, but the commotion also caught the attention of some of the religionists. I mean, how could it not? A man that's been at the temple gates, a man that's been lame, a man that's been begging, a man that's been crying out, a man that's been counting on each and every one coming to the temple to help him, to give him the alms, to give him something that he did not have. And now all of a sudden, a man that could not walk from birth in his 40s, he was in my age, in his 40s is dancing and jumping for joy and praising God. And so the people see it, they're amazed, they're wanting to know what happened, and now the the religionists see it. And we already know how many of their hearts were. Amen. And so now all of a sudden as the church was exploding, here comes questioning. Here comes some trouble. So here comes the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees. And the Bible says the, they were greatly troubled. They were greatly, they had issues. They thought Jesus was already what? Dead. They thought the movement of Christianity was already what? Was already dead. That it was silenced. That it was over. That the man had already been in the grave and there was nothing left to be done. But now all of a sudden there's a new commotion. 
Now all of a sudden there's a new way. Now all of a sudden here's Jesus, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, starting to pop up again and things are starting to happen. People are amazed. The church is multiplying. People are praising God. They're praying. They're coming together in corporate worship and in worship in their own homes. And so now they're trying to figure out what in the world is going on. Now, your Bible may say they were grieved, but basically the religionists were troubled and they were offended. And here's where your sermon outline starts this morning. You ready? Number one is this. In times of disturbance, the gospel can still what? It can still save. Amen? In times of disturbance, the gospel of Jesus Christ can still save. Now, the Bible tells us that Peter and John, they were doing two things. Number one, they were teaching the people, just like what we're doing right here this morning. I love Sunday school. I love Wednesday night Bible study. He said, Brother Donnie, why in the world do you encourage people to go to Sunday school and Wednesday night Bible study? Because that's where you learn one-on-one, amen? That's where your children learn one-on-one. That's where they form relationships. That's where they form the bonds. That's where they get down into it and really try to see what God, who God is and what God is and what Jesus is and what they want for their life. And so they're teaching the people. And well, they were showing the people that through Jesus, even a lame man through birth could walk. And they were telling the people they needed to repent of their sins and they needed to turn to who? They needed to turn to Jesus. This is what we preach. This is what we teach. We know the Bible says that we've all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. We're all sinners from birth, and so we need to be saved. We need to confess our sins, admit that we are sinners, and believe that Jesus rose from the grave, that he's the Son of God. And we confess that and say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Father, I believe in you. Lord, I commit my life to you. Then we know in the name of Jesus that we've been what? We've been saved. And then number two, they were proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Now, here's the thing. You can't talk about the resurrection of the dead without talking about a resurrected Savior. Amen? And for the Sadducees, here's the thing that you need to know. They did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees did not believe in the supernatural. They didn't believe in the angels. They didn't believe in the demons. And the apostles were preaching a message that they thought had died with Jesus and a message that stood against the Sadducees' fundamental belief which threatened their authority as the Jewish political and religious leaders. So what do they do? Well, we'll just take this into our own one. We can't control this Jesus. We can't control these Christians. And so here's what we're going to do. We're just going to put our hands on them and we're going to throw them in what? We're going to just throw them in jail. So they seized Peter and John because it was too late in the evening to have a legal hearing. They tossed them in jail with hopes that it would silence their what? Their mouths and their teachings, the movement of the Holy Spirit. But look what it says in verse 4. But many who had heard the message did what? They believed. And the number of men grew to 5,000. So the church has now exploded once again. And so even in the times of peril, even in the times of misunderstandings, even in the time where things are now being questioning, Jesus and the Spirit is still what? Moving. And people are still getting saved. You know, sometimes... It's the disturbances of life that give us some dynamic opportunities to spread the gospel. Amen? 
if you think about it. Peter and John, they, they were no fools when it came uh, to people trying to hinder the gospel. Matter of fact, one time, the Apostle Paul, well, we know that he was known as the terrorist Paul, amen? Trying to stomp out the movement of Jesus Christ, trying to stomp out the movement of the way. So let me say this real, real quickly. When the gospel starts to move, and church, hear this. When the gospel starts moving, so will disturbances it's going to happen. When the gospel of Christ starts saving, people will be grieved. When believers start multiplying, there will be those that try to silence your message. It's what happens. At one time in Peter's life, he stood silent about his connection to Jesus. Remember that? He didn't deny Jesus once. He didn't deny Jesus twice. But the Bible tells us that he denied his connection with Jesus three times. But guess what? Not this Peter. Amen? Not this Holy Spirit-filled Peter. Peter knew there wasn't anything in life that was more important than Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul once said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation of everyone who what? Who believes. So the question that we have to answer this morning, and we have to ask ourselves this question, are you ready? Are we willing to spread the gospel even in times of disturbances, or are we just going to keep what? Are we just going to keep quiet? And then number two is this in your sermon outline. In times of questioning, the truth of the gospel still heals and reveals. Amen? It still heals and it still reveals. And we see this in verses 5 through 13. So the next day he comes Peter and, and John and, and now the healed man and they stand before the Sanhedrin. Now who was the Sanhedrin? The Sanhedrin was the highest Jewish council that was presided over by the high priest. And they want to know this. They say, by what power or what name did this happen? How did this occur? Well, remember last Sunday, we talked about the name. We talked about the importance of someone's name. We talked about how it can mean power, how it can mean authority, how it can mean assurance, respect, and etc. And Peter says, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you, what? Healed. So they don't cut corners, Amen. They don't shy away. They don't shade away. They look at the highest council of the Jewish religionist authorities, and they say it's in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They make it plain as day because they're given the man's name, they're given the man's birth, and they're given the, man, the man's address. Amen? This is who he is. This is where he was. And this is what you did. Peter knew this was exactly... The opposite of what the Sanhedrin wanted to hear, but the truth was coming forward. Now, church, we need to remember this. Jesus said in John 8, 32, remember these words, you ready? Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? It's going to set you free. It's going to set you free. You know, it, it, none of us want to be lied to, do we? None of us in here want to be misled. None of us in here want to feel like that we can't trust one another. And so all of us have this opinion, I would hope of ourselves, that when we speak, we tell people the what? We tell people the truth. And so the, the creator of all, the savior of all, he says, when you know the truth, the truth's going to set you what? 
The truth's going to set you free. Now, he didn't say speaking the truth means everything's going to be great. He didn't say that, amen? He said when you speak the truth, you're going to run into opposition. When you speak the truth, there's going to be people that want to know what's going on. Well, Peter and John, they, they, they weren't free, per se, amen? They weren't free by any means. But they were as free as they had ever been in their life because the truth was spoken, and through that revealed the power of the Holy Spirit and some truths for us to proclaim as well this morning. Remember this, church. Truth is this. God raised the Son from the grave. Amen? God did that. Man did not do that. God did that. Here's another truth. There's healing power in the name of Jesus, even in the midst of opposition. Amen? Many times we see that happen. Oh, God can't heal. Oh, God can't do this. Oh, God can't do that. And it's like God looks down and he's like, just watch me. Just watch me. It's like God's continually got to prove to us who he is. He's got to continually prove to us, yes, I can heal. Yes, I can reveal. Yes, I can do anything because we all know that with God all things are what? All, all, all things are possible. And then here's another truth. Salvation is found in Jesus and Jesus what? Alone. I love when people say, oh, I believe, Brother Donnie, there are multiple ways to get to heaven. Preacher, I believe there are, there, there, there's four or five, there's six, seven, eight ways. You, you have your way and, and I'm going to have my way because I believe I can just be a good person, preacher. And then when I die, I think that I'm going to go to heaven because God loves all people. And if God loves all people, there's no way that God would ever send someone to what? To hell. But then we read something differently. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through whom? Except through Him. Whenever somebody starts telling you there's more than one way to heaven, run. You know, a lot of times people say, well, you know, Brother Donnie, I'm just glad so-and-so is in church. I'm just glad they're going somewhere. And I know what you mean by that. Amen. But when you go to church somewhere and their theology is heretical, when they're teaching you that, that, that Jesus is, is this maybe or Jesus is that maybe, but then they leave out the truth of the gospel, they leave out the truth of the Bible, and they look at you, well, we believe there's multiple ways to get to heaven. Pack up your Bible and your family and run. And somebody else may not tell you that, but I will. Because that's not a gospel worth hearing. That is not the truth of the gospel. And that is not what Jesus died for and was resurrected for. Amen. And this wasn't what this council wanted to hear, although Jesus made these statements before he ever even faced death on the cross. Hugh Hewitt, in his book, The Embarrassed Believer, here this church, contends that most Christians are embarrassed believers. Are we? Are we embarrassed believers? They, knew, they, they don't talk about their faith or church. They don't have Bibles on the corners of their desk. They never engage others in spiritual conversations. 
He closes with these words in this book. Christians in America trying to save the lost, comfort the suffering, cure the ill, clothe the naked, and bring joy to the despairing will not make a significant and lasting impact unless they do so openly and without apology as Christians. He goes on. The witness must accompany the work or the work will not endure as the world is hungry for our witness. He leaves two words, bold witness. Be a bold witness. Peter and John wasn't going to apologize. They they weren't going to apologize for their witness nor their words because the Spirit inside them was giving them the truth and the strength. And Jesus had told His disciples already in Matthew 10, On my account you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, don't worry about what you will say or how you will say it. At that time you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. Wow. God, you're telling me that the Spirit that lives in me is going to give me encouragement, is going to give me strength, and is going to give me the words to say, Amen. He sure is. Jesus was absolutely right, and the council may not have believed the words that were coming out of their mouth, but it proved one thing. These men were bold in their witness. It was Christ the Messiah. It was Christ who had been raised. It was Christ whom had healed. It was Christ that saved. It was Christ or hell. It was Christ and Christ only who they preached. That's what they believed. No, as Christians, we know the power of the gospel. Amen? We know it question is, will those around us know because of our willingness to tell it? Are they going to know by our willingness to tell it? What truths do people hear? What truths do people witness coming from your life? We don't mind sharing basketball. We don't mind sharing football. We don't mind sharing gossip even. But are people around you, are they hearing Jesus come from you? Are they seeing Jesus come from you? And, and I know many of you all may be saying, well, Brother Donnie, you don't know what I do for a living. All the restrictions that they put on us, I, I may not. But listen to me. Listen to me. You don't have to tell them Bible for them to see Bible in you. Amen. They ought to be able to see Jesus in you how we talk and how we walk and how we love and how we encourage and the conversations. You know, here's here's how we know where we are in our world right now. Are you ready? Church, this is a real quick checkup. Are you ready? This is how we know where we are in our world right now. Two years ago, there was a new thing that went through. People were putting stakes in in their yards, and it said two simplistic words, be what? Be kind. It's a sad day in our community, in our culture, in our world when we have to be reminded to be kind. If you love Jesus and you are in Jesus, it ought to come second nature. Amen. And if it's not coming second nature, you need to come to this, this, this altar. Pray that God straighten you up. That's what you need. And then lastly, last one this morning. You ready? In the times of persecution, the gospel will still what? It'll still prevail. Amen? It will still prevail. 
As the healed man stood with Peter and John, the, the, the council had nothing to say, so the council met together, and, and here was their plan. They couldn't deny that a miracle had been performed, but evidently the miracle in Jesus' name wasn't enough to turn their cold hearts from disbelief to belief. So it didn't matter what happened. It didn't matter that Jesus had healed. It didn't matter that a lame man was now jumping for joy. There was nothing in the name of Jesus that could happen in the front of their eyes that would make them turn their heart from disbelief to belief. And let's be honest, we all know people that are that way. Because the Bible says the prince of this world will blind their what? He'll blind their eyes. He won't let them see the truth. He won't let them acknowledge the truth. To them, Jesus is just a myth. Jesus is just for the weak. Jesus is just for those that feel like they got to have something to put their faith in. And they're hoping. But yet, when statistics come out, 99% of all people, when they go to face their death, guess who they call for? A pastor or a priest. Because they want to make sure, well, when I get ready to die, because now life's out of my what? Life's out of my hands and life's out of my control. And so when I die, I can't do anything else. So bring a pastor in, bring a priest in, and let's just make sure if this heaven or if this hell is real, I want to try real quickly to get right with who? With God. Let me encourage you, don't wait that long, amen? Don't, don't, don't wait till you're, till, till you're that person. Because if you wait till you're that person, you're going to miss out on so many blessings in your life. You're going to miss out on a ton of blessings that are in your life that God wants for you and how God wants to use you. And then the other part of the plan, so they would threaten these men to stop speaking anymore in the name of Jesus. They say, look, we're going to threaten you. You keep doing this, we're going to harm you. You keep talking about Jesus, we're going to do something to you. Maybe they want to do something to their families. And we know all across the world, the missionaries that we have through the Southern Baptists, we know there are times that they go through that. And they say, you know what, we're willing to go anyway. We're willing to go to put our life on the line so we can tell others about Jesus Christ because we want them to have what we have. But yet we won't even talk to our neighbors about Jesus. <laughs> we won't even talk to our families about Jesus. And so they wouldn't compromise the truth. And I want you to look what they, what they said. They said, judge for yourself whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, because we can't help but keep speaking about what we've seen, about what we've heard. Wow. What have you seen or experienced that, you, that you're not willing to close your mouth for anyone? Does Jesus mean that much to you? That if anyone looked at you and said, I'm going to tell you what, if you don't keep quiet about this Jesus, here's what we're going to do. Peter Cartwright was a great circuit writer, Methodist preacher in Illinois, an uncompromising man. He had come north from Tennessee because of his opposition to slavery. Listen to this story. One Sunday morning, he was scheduled to preach. His deacons told him that President Andrew Jackson was in the congregation. Now, knowing Cartwright was used to saying whatever he felt God wanted him to say, regardless of how people might react, they warned him not to say anything that would offend the chief executive. He stood up to preach and said, 
I understand President Andrew Jackson is here. I have been requested to be guarded in my remarks. Andrew Jackson will go to hell if he does not repent. The audience was shocked. They wondered how the president would respond to this. <laughs> but after the service was over, he came to Mr. Cartwright and he said these words. He said, sir, if I had a regiment of men like you, I could whip the world. Wow. Think what Jesus can do with a regiment of people that are willing to speak the truth in any situation no matter how grave, no matter how politically incorrect, these two men, Peter and John, had a choice to make. And so do we. We have a choice to make. They could listen to the high council and take the politically correct approach and stay out of trouble, or they could just keep on keeping on. And when the Holy Spirit fills our lives, can it be contained? Peter and John said things this council didn't want to hear, but they weren't there to tickle the ears of the Sanhedrin. Peter and John, they were there to speak the truth. If, if they had been silent, 5,000 people may not have been saved. If they had been silent, the lame man may not have never been healed. If they had been silent, their fear would have overtaken their willingness. And so think for a second. I'm going to challenge you this morning, church. Are you ready? What happens when we become silent? What happens? What happens when our faith is shaken? And see, there's some of you all that are here that feel that right there. Some of you all have been Christians for a while, but something has happened in your life and your faith has been shake, shook. You have went through something. You have experienced something. And so you still know God. You still believe in Jesus, but something has happened in your life. And so you know that you're not where you need to be with Jesus, but it's okay because you've always got tomorrow. Amen? Well, God's not guaranteed you tomorrow. But it's okay that you just keep living that way. And then now think of this. What happens when we won't be shaken? What happens when we make the decision, Jesus, I'm going to tell others about you. Jesus, I'm, I'm going to let people see you in my life. And if my friends don't like it, then I'll have new ones. If my family don't like it, I'm still going to love them. If my co-workers don't like it, then I'm sorry. If others don't like it, they're just going to have to deal with it. But you know what? You may lead one person to Jesus. You may make the difference in one life. And it's not your job to save them. It's your job to lead them there. It's your job to plant the seed. And I'm telling you, there's no better feeling in life than helping lead a child, a teacher, or an adult to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if the church stands up and says, we won't be shaken, we will teach and we will preach and we will do it with love and we will do it with joy, I promise you, Cecilia Baptist, we're going to see people get saved. We're going to see people get baptized. We're going to see this church grow and we're going to sing every Sunday and we're going to raise the roof of this church. It's going to happen.
But are we willing? Are we willing to tell others? This morning as Dale comes and we have our invitation, I know we're running a little behind and I'm sorry for that. But we're going to have our invitation real quickly and then we'll have the Lord's Supper. And so church, you've heard the message this morning. The question is now, is will you respond? What will be your answer to the Lord this morning? And so as we sing, will you come?